Hello, everybody, and welcome to a Beholder's Eye side adventure. A little bit different. I'm Mac, and I know you're not used to hearing my voice, but I'm thrilled to be here. I am guest GMing today, and we are joined by uh, the majority of the Beholder's Eye crew. The only things that are going to be different today is we're playing in a slightly different system than 5th edition, and we're playing in a slightly different setting. I hope you all are fans of the 1994 movie starring Kurt Russell and James Spader, Stargate. And even more importantly, bigger fans of the subsequent television series Stargate SG-1, because that's the universe we're playing in. Um, Indeed. So I, I guess we'll start with, um, with a little bit of an introduction for your characters. You all are currently in a top-secret military facility known as Stargate Command. In 1928, in Giza, Egypt, archaeologists uncovered an ancient device capable of instantaneous transportation to other planets by means of a subspace wormhole known as a Stargate. Um, now, this was built by an alien race uh, millennia ago called the Ancients, and over the next few hours, we are going to travel through said Stargate from Cheyenne Mountain, Wyoming, to, well, well, we'll just see about that. Uh, and we are joined by our intrepid adventurers. Uh, please, everybody, let's hear a little bit about your characters. I think we'll start with the commanding officer of your team, SG-13, and that would be uh, Kim's character. Yes, hello, Dr. Uh, Major Edith Alon. Um, I mostly dabble in the... Um epidemiology and all of the virusy badness that happens on other worlds, but I'm pretty handy with most of the things as well. Uh, moving on down the line, uh, we happen to have a captain. Oh, um, yeah, I am Captain Captain Hoyd. Um, yeah, that's me. Uh, uh, I fix is, things. Uh, captain Hoyd's a, an accomplished tinkerer. Yep. Yeah, uh, someone, some would call me an, an engineer of sorts. So, Ramblin' Wreck did not go to Georgia Tech, however. <laughs> no, University of Maryland. Woo, go polar bears. <laughs> I didn't know that. Good job. Uh, no, I have no idea. Oh, okay. <laughs> Go polar bears is my default for any for any school. You had me. You you pulled out like a sports name, and I was like, oh no, I'm lost. I don't know. Um, and then we've got a second lieutenant. Uh, tell us a little bit about yours. I'm Mike Flynn. I like to blow stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, Lieutenant, second Lieutenant Flynn is your demolitions expert. And then last but not least, on loan from the, uh, uh, from the UK, we have... Lieutenant Dan Charles, a Royal, career Royal Marine. He likes to keep his enemies at a long distance as a marksman. <laughs> and that is our team. That is Stargate. That is SG-13. Um, so at the current moment, uh, you lot are down inside of, um, you're inside of the Cheyenne Mountain Complex. Uh, you all happen to have a briefing in a few hours, um, which of course we can fast forward to, unless of course there's anything inside of the Cheyenne Mountain Complex that you know your characters uh, want to be about. No, I'm I'm interested in just getting to it. Mm -hmm. Okay, fantastic. 
Uh, so we spin the clock forward a couple of hours, and you are in the briefing room. Uh, the architecture of the Cheyenne Mountain complex is, of course, uh, at the same at once welcoming and also off-putting. Um, it has a, a sort of industrial feel to things. The corridors are round with the uh, with floating flat floors, and you know as you walk over said floors that uh, that uh, steam and electricity and water are all piped directly beneath your feet. Um, it is kept very clean um, and surprisingly not as uh, claustrophobic as you would think of such a place, in spite of not having any windows to the outside world. Uh, the current briefing room that you're sitting in does have a window that overlooks uh, the Stargate. Um, about every unit time, perhaps hour, perhaps couple of hours um, in any given day, you have both uh, teams going off-world as well as teams and other things uh, uh, returning from, uh, from other worlds. Uh, and uh, you're currently being briefed by General George Hammond. Uh, he's been running the Stargate program here in Cheyenne Mountain for the past uh, six years or so. Um, he's seen a lot. He's a very wise man and uh, also is remarkably tolerant of uh, insubordination light. Uh, so, <clears throat> you know, at least from people of a certain rank, as we've seen in the television series. Um, but General Hammond has uh, some information for you today. Uh, SG-13, today you are set to go to P3X-423. Now, we sent uh, Malp just uh, just a couple days ago, and after we gave the science team a chance to look over the results, uh, we've got some exciting news. Apparently, there are incredibly high levels of trinium there on the planet. Uh, now, you all would know that, uh, that trinium is uh, a metal alloy that, when processed with steel, is very strong. It makes for good armor. It is, after all, what the uh, the primary component of the Prometheus. Uh, very much still under wraps, uh, but it is the Earth's first long-range, uh, you know, military spaceship. Um, launched just recently, as a matter of fact. Uh, any of you happen to have current affairs, by chance? taken as a skill no not really uh interested in the current myself <laughs> yeah it's all about the resistance um so how's about uh anybody's welcome to give me a roll against their soldier skill um that's just a good approximation of what you would know about briefings about you know other things that are going on uh report your margin of success or failure if you please so, oh, and you're rolling under your skill it's level. 11 to my 13. I think that's how that works. Yep, exactly. So made it yep. by two. So two. So I'm rolling under the 12 that I have, and then mm -hmm. it's two or 3d6. 3d6 to give you that nice bell curve distribution in GURPS. Gone are the days where it's a 5% chance of a crit fail or a crit success. No, 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 no. We're talking more like half a percent. Uh, success by four. Success by four. Uh, Dan Charles uh, failed by two. Failed by two, okay. Or the 13th, yeah. that's... Oh, failed by one, sorry. 
Okay. Five, up by five. Fantastic. Uh, so most of you, uh, of course, uh, Charles, you're still pretty new to the Stairgate program. Uh, you haven't really, you know, gotten your uh, gotten everything in there. But uh, most of you have heard that the Prometheus is actually um, embarking on its sort of first shakedown uh, trip test of its uh, of its hyperdrive engines um, that uh, should be going on like any minute now. Uh, so uh, so yeah, so uh, Trinium is going. Going to basically big deal because it's going to open up things and allow um, the you know the air force to build more ships, help to defend against uh, against enemies, and well, there are all sorts of applications of this metal that you guys still have not yet explored. So it's it's very exciting, um, and uh, for those of you with a slight uh, with a science adjacent background, um, the levels that are mentioned in in the briefing of uh, of prevalence of trinium from the samples are really quite encouraging. Uh, but, um, General Hammond says, there is a catch. Um, for whatever reason, the planet seems to be covered in some degree of horrifyingly deadly gas. Uh, so we're going to have you all suiting up in environmental suits uh, and going to take a closer look. I appreciate you taking the appropriate um, precautions this time. Last time when you sent somebody over without suits, I ended up treating people for three weeks. Well, we're just so glad that you. we had you. <laughs> uh, how much duct tape can I requisition? Well, if you would like, you could requisition as much as you can carry. Okay. Um, got That's it. That's a lot of duct tape. Yes. Well, when I'm uh, dealing with poisonous gas, it seems like it might be useful. Um, one little hole in your suit and, you know, you just slap that bad boy on there and good to go. Uh, so with that being said, um, do you have any other questions for the general um, as a part of the of the briefing? So what exactly is our mission? Uh, so your mission is going to be to go to uh, P3X423, um, evaluate uh, any presence, friend, foe or friendly, on the planet, and uh, if you can, get a little bit more information about uh, what sorts of prevalences we have of the of uh, of the elements, and bring those metals back. You know, feel free to collect a sample if you can. Uh, mostly, we want you to find out more information. Uh, the MALP can only go effectively, it can only travel so far. Um, and the thickness of the of the gas uh, obscures visibility, so we didn't feel it prudent to send an aerial um, probe in this case. So, What about the indigenous? Well, if there are any indigenous life forms, um, they would have to be very interesting. I'm told that this gas is very rough. Uh, any specifics on how the gas works, or... Like you know, I'm afraid I don't understand it quite myself, but uh, you guys have half of an hour before you go. Um, I think Dr. Felger might be available for comment on uh, level 8, uh, so uh, if you'd like some more information, uh, you can certainly ask him. Okay, yeah. All right, well, if that's everything, uh, Godspeed SG-13. Um, you've got a little bit of time before you uh, before you leave, uh, but report to the gate room at uh, 1300 hours. All right, 
Okay. Uh, the time is now yours, folks. You can requisition whatever uh, equipment uh, you think might be necessary, given the information that you currently have. Um, you can seek more information from base personnel. Um, the world is your oyster for the next 30 minutes in game time. Um, I, yeah, I'm going to go and see if I can requisition some supplies for the trip. Um, I'm going to need uh, six rolls of duct tape. Plunk, 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 plunk. Okay. And then uh, two bottles of whatever spirit they'll be willing to give me. Mm, spirits. <laughs> um, the, uh, uh, the middle-aged redhead requisition officer cocks an eyebrow. Uh, what uh, kind of spirits? I've got some mineral spirits. Um, uh, well, actually, uh, drinking spirits. They might be useful for... And, and having uh, learned that this tack sometimes works... Uh, may be useful for trade and barter on the other side of the gate. Go ahead and give us a diplomacy roll. Let's see. Or fast talk, your preference. Um, we'll see if you can pull this off. Uh, let's see. I don't think I have any of those. All right. We <laughs> are at, at the talking. fabled default. Uh, a diplomacy is an IQ minus six. A fast talk is a IQ minus five. Uh, feel free to roll against those. Your choice, of course. Uh, like so much of a fail um, okay. uh, fail by double digits wow what does a double digit failure request for alcohol sound like Sam um uh, you know like like they're 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 talking about how you know bartering they, they oh, kind uh -huh. of they, it worked last time they oh, went sure. on a on a mission that they used this tack and you know they're they're trying to they're, they're trying to explain it far too much you know well we could barter with the the natives or you know um it might be very good for social situations where you could drink it and um have a really good time um <laughs> uh, at, at the drinking uh he's just like uh i'm sorry aren't aren't you on duty um um, yeah, I'm, I'm afraid we just don't have that. Don't go off world much, do you, kid? It's okay. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not an SG team. So yeah, no, I don't go off world. Yeah, you know, um, s sometimes in order to make sure that the mission gets done, you gotta, gotta live a little bit fast and loose, you know? Uh, oh, oh, okay. A okay, a Captain. Anyway, Whatever um, you say. Uh, other <laughs> other than the, the duct tape, uh, I would like uh, one grease gun, please, and a bottle of grease. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he gets you a grease gun and a, and a bottle of grease. Uh, weird flex, but okay. Uh, that's, that's it. That's all I'm going to need. If I can't have alcohol, at least I'll have my grease. All right. <laughs> All right. Now, uh, now, obviously, you guys will have your normal, uh, your normal run-of-the-mill supplies, um, standard issue uh, P90s, uh, and the like. So, uh, and of course, those of you who have specialized uh, weaponry are going to have that as well. Like uh, Dan Charles is going to have his long range. Um, okay. Uh, anything else anybody needs requisition-wise or information-wise that they want to explore before embarking? Dan Charles get a demo kit. He has demo as well. 
Okay. Uh, easy enough. Um, you've got yourself. Uh, you've got yourself a demolitions kit. Uh, you can take advantage of that for you know uh, a, for a bonus on your demolitions if trying to rig something. It comes with uh, what do they call primacord and a little bit uh, you know a, a moderate amount of C4 remote detonators mm. and uh, and the like. If we're gonna get samples, need to blow up. So. Sure. Blowing up is the best way to gather samples. <laughs> Need rocks. Rocks are harder to uh, remove rocks without like. Yeah, it's, it's it's great. You just you know rem- you just hit the button and then you take the flex out of your hair, clothes, and otherwise you just shake on the other side and let the let the samples fall off you. It's great. It, if it's not atomized, it won't fit in the electron microscope. <laughs> <laughs> I hate how correct you are. <laughs> um. I'm gonna need some epinephrine just in case the gas gets us. Oh, gotta keep that heart going. Okay, sure. Yeah, there's some. uh, You can get an epipen. They'd keep some of that around. Um, Not a lot of people suffer from uh, from anaphylactic shock. Uh, They tend to weed that out of their uh, of their off-world teams. But you know, they've got some epipens around. Uh, I'd like to go ask the nerds some stuff actually (laughs) about the nature of the gas. Yeah, I um, wanted to go talk to Dr. Felger. Okay. Um, yeah. So, all right. Uh, uh, Major Alon and Captain Hoyd uh, go looking for uh, for Dr. Felger. Um, you guys would know his office, uh, his lab, rather, is on floor eight. So uh, up the elevator, a couple of a uh, couple of floors, and uh, there's the lab. Um, on the door, it has a couple of names. One of the names is uh, is Doctor Felger, and uh, it is currently a darkened room at the moment. Well, we were told he's here. Knock, knock, knock. So, uh, uh hello. And a, uh, and a a mousy looking man, balding head. He's got the hair growing around the side and he's let it grow somewhat long. It's about shoulder length, but only from the sides of of the hair. He's wearing uh, thin glasses and he says, uh, hi. Hello, uh, Major Alon. Um, We have been told that you've been studying the gas that came from um, P3X432. Oh, oh, um, well, I, I know a little bit about it, but you're you're looking for uh, you're looking for uh, for Felger. Um, I, I'm I'm Coombs. Nice to meet you. Oh, hello. He holds out his hand to, to shake. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure where Felger is at the moment. Uh, he went to lunch, uh, and well, I mean, he hasn't come back yet, so I assume he's probably still in the mess up on floor two. But uh, but I, I can I can uh, answer some questions. I think. What kind of cats we dealing with? Right. So um, and he. he he goes over to a uh, to a to a table and turns on a uh, uh, turns on just a small desk light. He flicks it on and he uh, moves some papers around, grabs one, and he goes, ah, uh, well, um, it's bad, uh, and it looks like it's fairly deadly for most carbon. If you breathe, it's it's bad, uh, but it seems to be a, a sort of uh, um, a respiratory agent uh, more so than that. So it's not corrosive, uh, but it is. It would it would be bad to breathe it. Uh, you'd probably die in about two minutes. Coombs, I am a doctor. Can you explain things to me in a way that I could actually understand? That's not just bad. Oh, uh, sure. Let's see how well Coombs can do. 
Uh, you it's know, okay, uh, Coombs. I understand bad just fine. Uh, so, so, <laughs> so Coombs is a uh, uh, Coombs is a um, a particle physics man. Uh, so you know the cells a little bit larger than what he's used to talking about. He's more small picture guy. Uh, but he took some biology back in the day, and he's doing a pretty good job talking about uh, you know uh, we'll, we'll talking um, attacking uh, a glycophosphate layer and you know and uh, some of the issues that this would run in um, he says you know if you've heard of phosphine gas uh, before it's you mm-hmm. know it, it's kind of rough like that so okay. yeah so it's specifically the living tissue mostly the, the lung tissue is the, the most affected I understand yeah. okay I mean under prolonged condition I mean you know uh, it, it would probably do a number on your skin and you know muscle musculature and tissues but uh, but for the most part, yeah, the lungs the lung is the short term problem. So potentially breathing apparatus only would be helpful. But are we to do further study? Like, have you done a complete breakdown of the chemical structure? Well, um, and he looks oh, at the notes. He part. says, uh, "We've only had a, a, a data for the past couple of days, so um, so we think it'd we think it'd be fine. Uh, but out of an overabundance of caution, you might want to be fully." suited up and the the scrubbers and the suits you think will be sufficient particle size wise oh yes we've absolutely had enough time to to test that the particle scrubbers will be sufficient to uh to keep it out so you should be fine huh okay well, thank you, and they're just gonna walk off. Oh, uh, you're you're very welcome. And he goes ahead, and he immediately clicks off the desk lamp, um, plunging the room back into darkness. Dark in here. Oh, oh, I'm glad that you asked. Um, hang on. And he grabs a he grabs a uh, a flashlight of sorts, um, and he clicks it once, uh, producing no visible beam, and he sweeps it across uh, the room, and there happens to be a very large. Um, a very large plant uh, that fluoresces under the uh, under the light that he's shining on it. It's like, uh, so we had this thing brought back from P3X540 about uh, about a day or two ago, and it is exciting. It grows like gangbusters, and um, you know, it doesn't even need like good light to grow. It just needs like some light. It's uh, it's kind of exciting. We're thinking. I know it's early yet but a little bit of genetic splicing and we could solve world hunger very noble i mean come on take a look at this and he walks on <sighs> over and he and he points to uh, he points to at least one bush that is uh that is growing in uh, uh in like gravel and he's just like I mean, it does better than dandelions. I mean, it's like, mmm, that's some lovely gravel you have there. Why don't I grow in it? So, I mean, very exciting. I mean, obviously, you know, it's, uh, you know, if you're into world hunger and, and such. I mean, you know, not into world hunger, but like into the not world hunger. <clears throat> that that sounds, uh, I don't know much about plants myself, but that sounds highly invasive, right? Like, uh-huh. that like smother out all... <laughs> other plant life as we know it well well obviously there are some issues which is why we're keeping it mostly dark in here but i think that the potential benefits we think that the potential benefits might outweigh the potential harms uh okay um so it, it's it just, just it's just there. a plant we're just giving it a go right here right now no no biggies so you know how big is this bush 
Uh, at the current moment, it's about the size. It's about the size of a couple of dogs. <laughs> That's a weird measurement tool. Well, you know, he's a particle physicist. What does he care about, you know, units of measurement over angstroms? Come on, get out of here. <laughs> well, I know a dog when I see one, and that bush there sure is a couple of dogs. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, he finishes. Uh, he finishes sweeping the sweeping the light over it, and he's he's like, so uh, very exciting. Also, um, the uh, as you can tell, there's a very specific wavelength of uh, UV light that'll cause it to fluoresce um, a little bit. Does it, so I was thinking, I was always a big fan of spy novels, so we can use some of the plant for invisible ink that only shows up but on some on a very specific you know, narrow nanometer range. Stargate, so uh, we'll oh. be back to discuss. Right. More about fluorescing, whatever. Sure, yeah. So if you find some Thanks, cool Coombs. invisible ink stuff, that's kind of a hobby of mine. So uh, yeah, okay, yep, uh, uh, <laughs> and they're gone. Uh, if you uh, before they leave, uh -huh. uh, Hoyt will go to them. Uh, if it goes out of control and you need to solve it, I find fire does pretty well. Anyway, interesting. You should mention fire. One of the first things walking. we tried. <laughs> not walking, a no, leaving. no. Fire, fire would be bad. He yells out the out the doorway <laughs> as you guys. As, as you guys leave uh, back into the lit hallway. <laughs> oh I'll peek my head back in. Does this bad, like, it explodes? So, <sighs> it kind of doesn't do that much. Uh, you know, maybe if you would permit me a demonstration, I don't know how much time you have, uh, but we could... We could got yeah, You got a lighter on you? Lieutenant, Absolutely. we need to be going. Come on. Real quick, real quick. This could be important. Okay, so he goes. He he puts the uh, he puts the the light back on it and illuminates a, a a leaf. And he says, "Okay, go ahead, put your lighter on that." He I do. smiles and takes two steps back as you start to put as you start to whip out your your lighter. I'm going to. I'm going to do it. That's fine. All right. Uh, so uh, you go ahead and hold your uh, hold your lighter lighter under it, uh, and he clicks off the light that he's holding. Uh, but the plant continues to fluoresce, uh, and the leaf starts to grow a little bit. Hmm. That's really dangerous. I like it, but yeah. I don't know actually how that's going to be useful. So see you, nerd. And I walk out. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I graduated from MIT. I'm not a nerd. It's like the definition of a nerd. Deuces. <laughs> Deuces. Jar oh my heads. god. <laughs> All right. Dan Charles really doesn't know what to make of this group. He's like, <laughs> this is so different to like my usual, you know, professional mindset of people. <laughs> yep. Uh, consummate professionals. These. This SG thirteen. It's all I can do to keep you moving along to where we need to be. Well, I thought it would blow up. I thought that was awesome, but it was just, it was pretty anticlimactic, to be honest. Ooh, it grows. I'm a plant. <laughs> can can nice. you just, just for my sake, can you just say, swear to me? Swear to me. Yes. <laughs> That's what I needed. <laughs> okay. Uh, so uh, anything else you guys want to uh, look to or research or take care of before you uh, um, embark on your magnificent journey? Uh, no, not that I can think of. All right. Um, well, you guys are outfitted in your usual. Um, you are also wearing uh, environmental suits over top. 
Um, one thing to keep in mind is that uh, uh, your perception rolls are going to suffer a little bit inside of your uh, inside of your suits, and any fine coordination will be only slightly impaired. Um, you'll mostly be losing some peripheral vision in your uh, in your suits, and uh, but for the most part, you know, you guys will be operating at uh, solid efficiency out there. Um, but you, there you stand inside of the gate room. It's a large room, uh, and the Stargate stands before you. Um, there's an inner ring with all these little symbols on. You, of course, would all be briefed. You would know that these are star constellations. Um, the addresses come in usually seven symbols uh, that act as a sort of six symbols to denote a three-dimensional point in space and a seventh as the point of origin. Um, you are all also equipped with what's called a GDO, uh, which sends an encrypted signal, uh, letting them know to open and open a uh, you know a, a metal iris that covers the Stargate in order for you guys to uh, be let back into the base without thumping against it and being destroyed, uh, pancaked, if you will, on your way in. Um, so as per general um, general procedure, you guys have decided upon a GDO signal, um, a specific one that you will transmit before you uh, before you come back. Uh, you have a general idea of how to dial the gates, and uh, this one, however, is spun up um, mechanically as the computer uh, spins it and locks in each of the different symbols. It uh, is a process that takes about 20 minutes. Um, and for some of you, you've been through the gate multiple times. Uh, for others of you, uh, this is your first time. We are looking, of course, into Royal Marine Dan Charles, who this is his first off-world mission. Um, the seventh gate symbol is locked, and with a uh, large, almost like an explosion, as if a depth charge were exploded under the surface of water, uh, the gate uh, um, forms a blue vortex that flushes upward toward you, and then settles into a shimmering blue pool uh, at the top of this ramp. With it rushing out towards us, that forces Darren Charles to take like two steps back as it's coming towards him. Yeah, Involuntary, yeah. he's forced back. Uh, seeing that, uh, Hoyd will go to Lieutenant Charles. Uh, Lieutenant Charles, uh, first time through the gate? That's it is. Word, word to the wise, even though travel through the gate is instantaneous, um, you do not want to, uh, it will feel like longer. Uh, don't brace yourself. Just keep going. Understood. But clench those butt cheeks. It, it, it helps. Trust me. I answer. Make fists with your toes. <laughs> uh, so, um, the gate stands open um, and ready to receive you all. Um, there are a couple of other, you know, uh, a, a couple of other Air Force uh, people who are in the gate room uh, manning guns, and General Hammond comes over the uh, intercom and says, SG-13, you, we've reestablished connection with the MALP. Uh, everything seems to be clear, uh, at least as far as visibility can tell, so you are cleared for mission start. All right, let's do this. First time through, would you like to go first? Yes, ma'am, I'll take point, and he'll go for it. 
All right. Um, you come up to the shimmering. It's it's almost like water, but on its side. Um, and first putting your hand through, and then the rest of you. Um, you feel almost as if there is an electrical surge. The hair on your body stands on end, and there is a there is a hooked feeling underneath your sternum as you feel yourself being accelerated. All at once, it is both instantaneous and as Captain Hoyt described, feels longer. Um, And you step foot into an entirely different environment. Uh, The only constant is that the gate behind you, uh, instead of in front of you now, uh, there is a sickly green gas all around. Visibility is decreased perhaps to 50 feet or so. It's uh, it's quite thick. And, um, and around you is a platform. Um, but out to 50 feet, give us a perception roll if you please. Oh yeah, so that's under 15 for me. Uh, that's what, eight, uh, succeed by four nice uh for a solid success uh you see the map you also see what's known as the dial home device it's a large round thing uh that on planets that uh have one unlike earth uh you just dial it in instead of having to manually move the uh move the inner ring to lock in uh, it also provides the power necessary to get the thing going. Uh, but it is a large platform made of some type of smooth, uh, seems more like stone under your feet. Uh, but these are just the things that strike you as you step onto a new world for the first time. Oh, um, uh, your comrades are behind you. Qu- question, actually. I, I know that I know that the mouth, it, <laughs> it, it checks to make sure that the DHD is there. Mm-hmm. And and um, also, it looks for the orig- origin chevron of where we're ending up. Do we know that, chevron? Great question. Yes. On DHD devices, the point of origin is always in the same location on the on the device. It is at the 6 o'clock point, uh, immediately below the big red button. Uh, so that will always be, on a DHD, your, your point of origin. Uh, so, great question. It's a good thing to know and uh and yes you know that. and part of our basic training as like a, yep, a right. SG team is that we always know the the address for home right like that's kind yep. of something that's ingrained in us okay yes indeed you guys always know the address for home the only thing you have to worry about is hitting that one uh hitting that one correct uh seventh uh chevron so yeah it's question. like small children the first thing you do is teach them how to dial home it's just you know like what's your address So, um, as far as I understand, we're just here to investigate and see what we can find. So, is there any kind of road or anything leading kind of off of the plinth that we're standing on? Uh, yeah, the plinth goes off for about uh, 20, 30 feet or so. It slowly tapers down and then meets with ground. Um, uh, go ahead. Uh, everybody's welcome to give us a perception roll as you see what strikes them as they've stepped onto a new and different planet. Up by so six. I, 
took sense. acute vision, does that Yes, you? that will incorporate. So any level of acute vision that you have will bump up your perception for any sight-based things, which this certainly is. Fail by three. Fail by three, okay. Uh, succeed by five. Succeed by five, okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, there does appear to be at least somewhat of a, uh, of a path uh, between you and uh, presumably someplace else, uh, but it extends beyond the 50-foot visibility. Um, you know, with some good perception rolls, you guys can kind of extend that out to maybe, maybe 20 meters. Uh, but, you know, it's it's not it's not as far as you'd like, for sure. Um, is it a even color, or is it kind of like fog, where there's, like, the little denser patches, and you can kind of see when air is moving through that it, like, swirls or whatever? It has a fairly uniform consistency. Um, uh, for the big successes, though, um, there happens to be um, near near the sort of right-hand side as you guys are exit. The path kind of goes straight 12 o'clock. But at 3 o'clock, there happens to be kind of tucked away uh, and engraved into the the plinth. Uh, There happens to be a symbol of a bird of sorts uh, with uh, claws out, you know, with its two feet claws, whatever the heck those are called. I'm not an ornithologist. Or that is the correct word. Thank you. I was I was close. I was close. You were. You uh, got all the right letters in there. Excellent. <laughs> Next time I'll work on getting them in the right order. Um, but uh, but yeah. So it certainly appears to be that. Um, if we have anybody with current affairs, um, uh, barring that, um, uh, Ben, you're welcome to roll, and I guess uh, the cat, and I guess uh, uh, the major as well, because she spotted it as well. You two are welcome to roll against uh, your soldier if you don't have current affairs. Sixteen by six. Six. Soldiers twelve. That gives me up by four. Okay. Uh, you would both recognize this. This is the symbol of one of the Goa'uld uh, system lords, uh, specifically Heroor. Um, Hero. And you remember seeing the name on a briefing some weeks, maybe months back. Uh, the exact details of which escape you at the current moment. Um, but you know. There was something. In, there was something about him. He came up tangentially on a report maybe a month ago or so. Nerd point. Is he the one that took Daniel's wife's child? Supposedly. Uh, nope. That's a different one. Okay, never mind. Yeah, that's. I, I like where your head's at, but no. At least I don't think so. <laughs> now you've got me second guessing. So I was just. I don't remember the name. I just know it started with an H. Uh, the family tree of these Goa'uld is confusing and would be at home on a Days of Our Lives episode. So uh, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to have all that on lockdown, but I don't think so. Uh, so not sure. Anyway. Okay. Uh, okay. So um, Lieutenant Dan, would you like to do the honors of going forward? Certainly. Or I'll Mike, take, either. I'll take point. Yeah, let him take point. 
Okay. You can bring up the rear then, Flynn. Sounds good. If I'm understanding the marching order correctly, um, it's going to be uh, Lieutenant... um, uh, It's going to be Lieutenant Charles. Uh, Then we're going to have Major Alon. Then Captain Hoyd. And then bringing up the rear, Lieutenant Flynn. Sounds good. And good to know. Perfect. The one that stole Daniel's wife, by the way, uh, Kim, is Apothos. Uh, no, no, no. He stole Daniel's wife, but Daniel's wife's child was supposedly stolen by a different go-old lord oh. because she was on a pl- Anyway, I just anyway, watched the episode. It, does, weeks it ago. does. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, 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 speaking of which, just because we're on the subject, uh, Daniel Jackson is currently dead. Just FYI. I love Current. how currently dead. Currently dead. <laughs> Well, I mean, if if you know the series, you know what's what. But uh, yeah, yeah. but I mean, you know, um, as far as everybody's aware, he's he's currently dead, uh, and it is Jonas Quinn who is on who is with SG One uh, currently on board the Prometheus for their shakedown cruise. Um, all right, so you head out into the fog, um, following what passes for a road uh, moving gently well if we call 12 o'clock north uh, which since you can't see any sun where you currently are um, that'll have to do for north at least at the current moment those of you with compasses the needles spin and flit between different directions Um, and uh, so this is as good of north as anything but in this direction you head after perhaps 40 meters or so, um, you start to see vague shapes off the edge of your vision. Um, things that look like they may once have been buildings. Hmm. Um, um, well, at least we've determined that there were people here. What awaits our adventurers on the other side of the fog? Find out next time on Stargate SG-13. Thanks for listening to this very different Beholder's Eye Side-Eye Adventure SG-13. Episode 1. If you like what you heard, please leave a 5-star review wherever you listen to our podcast. If you'd like to support us further, please visit our Patreon at patreon.com slash beholdersipod. Please check us out at beholdersipod on Twitter or on our website, beholdersicast.com. Follow us on Twitter. Kim, who plays the Dr. Major at Mets Girl. Ryan, who plays Lefty Chuck at Duff Duff the Third. Ben, who plays 2LT Splode at Miro4D2. Sam, who plays Captain Captain at Samsalot007. And Mac, our guest DM at Maction. Editing by Sam Canary. Musical and effects editing by Ben Floyd. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. All music from filmmusic.io. Tranquil Fields Eastern by Alexander Nakarada, SerpentSoundStudios.com. Air Prelude and Floating Cities by Kevin McLeod and Competech.com. All licensed under Creative Commons 4.0. Sound effects from Zapsplat.com and Freesound.org.